You're listening to the Fitness and Wellness Class, powered by NASM. NASM's new subscription service, NASM Connected, is the best value in fitness. When you sign up, you'll get access to everything you'll need to expand your career, master new disciplines, and stay up to date with your certification in one great package. Gain instant access to over 350 online fitness courses available anywhere, anytime, on any device. Earn CEUs for dozens of approved providers. Plus, unlock articles, webinars, videos, and podcasts from the biggest names in fitness. Don't wait. Sign up today and unlock the best content in fitness at the best price. Get connected at nasm.org connected or call one 800 460 6276. What's up, friends? My name is Miguel Vargas, and I am so excited to be here with you today to talk about the 10 steps to creating the ultimate experience in your small group training session. Now, a little bit about me. My name is Miguel Vargas. I'm a master trainer with TRX, and I'm also the training and development manager for our international crew of instructors. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm really excited about today. And that's because I've literally spent the last 10 years of my career at TRX working on putting this presentation together for you. We're going to talk about the 10 steps to the ultimate experience. And hopefully I'm gonna surprise you with a couple things that you may have not had had an opportunity to think about. Now, as you can see, I'm coming to you live from my home. So right out the gate, you can see that experiences have changed in our setting. I really wish I could be there with you all today, surrounded by you all, high-fiving, and just being surrounded with all of your energy. But today, we have to do it from the comfort of our homes. Some of us are fortunate enough to be surrounded by some friends and taking this and watching this together. But again, I hope that we can spend some time to get going through some really important key points that my team and I have spent a lot of time diving into pretty much by reps and sets. So again, I'm gonna talk about this one more time. The 10 steps to creating the ultimate experience for your small group. Now again, originally this was intended to talk about what you're doing in your studios. We're still gonna to touch on a lot of those concepts and I'm gonna do my best to give you a, a few key inside tips and tricks on how this can translate to what you're doing at home. Now, when we think about the experience, I want you to take some notes. What are some of the things that are important to you when it comes to developing the ultimate experience from start to finish when your clients walk in through the door? as they're putting their stuff down. What are all of the key things that you have to put together? What are some of the things you might rely on from your facility? And again, now that we're from home, what are some of the important things that you've had to do, the adjustments you've had to make to pivot so that as you deliver this in-person or online experience, 
you're doing it at a level 10. Now, when I think about the experience, I always come back to my clients and I talk to them. What was it about the experience for you that made it great? What is it that keeps your clients coming back to you for that same class challenge every single day? Now, I know that when I was there in class at the TRX Training Center in San Francisco, a lot of times, at the end of the day, they just they put their head down, their muscles are burning, their heart rate is up, they're breathing heavy, there's sweat everywhere. And to the consumer, yeah, that's all they need, right? We know that there's a lot more that goes into that. But when you ask your clients, hey, what'd you like about that? They're like, man, that was a really tough workout. I got my heart rate up, I was sweating. Oh man, my legs are burning. But there's more to it. What about the camaraderie? What about the community? What about the challenges that you create when you're in that group setting? I know that oh, there were so many times where I'd love to just put one person against another and see who's going to do the best. Side note, not the most, the best. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. So these are just some of the things that your clients might find are important. Now, I know I talked about camaraderie. I know I talked about community. In the virtual world, a lot of that's been taken away and it's been pretty challenging to be able to replicate all the things that we've been used to offering our members and our clients in our, our own studios. But there is a way. It takes some practice. It takes some reps and sets. And we're going to jump into that in just a little bit. The big buckets that I want to talk about today, and as we go through these slides, I want you to think about how these apply to you and how much time you actually put into them and what the value is that you get out of them, right? So the, the experience pyramid is something that we talked about at TRX. And literally, when I say I've taught thousands of classes at the TRX Training Center in San Francisco, just do the math over the last 10 years. Walking in that studio day in, day out, I know if, you, if you've taught group exercise, you don't just teach one class a day, am I right? There's been days where there's been three, four, five, add that up over the course of 10 years. Whew, that's a lot of barking into the microphone. That's a lot of setting the stage. But more importantly, it starts off with the programming, right? Now, I'm just going to touch on these for a little bit. And the deeper I get into today's presentation, the more we're going to kind of hit these topics a little bit better. But what I do want to let you know, the experience, your client has to interact with every single one of these pieces along the way. So it's important that we do our due diligence when preparing to make sure that we deliver the ultimate experience. So when I talk about programming, what do you think I mean? Take a minute, let it sink in. Who am I teaching to? What am I teaching? What's the equipment that I have? These are just a few of the things that I want you to think about when you think about your definition of programming. 
Now at NASM, they've got their specific guidelines and their system. System, that's the key word. If there's no system to what you're doing, you're just throwing stuff against the wall and hoping that it sticks. That's not what we do at TRX. And I know that's not what they're talking about at NASM. The next thing I want to do is talk about exercise selection. So you know who you're teaching to. You know what are the tools that you have. Now it's time to put some exercises into it. Am I right? Now, the really important part about these exercises is how does that apply to the programming? And we're going to dive into the types of programming and not a huge deep dive, but we're going to give it like a bird's eye view as far as what we want to uh, T's we want to cross, I's we want to dot to make sure that we're delivering something set to the standard based on our systems and practices. The next thing I want to do is talk about Napsmister. And I'm just going to touch on this one for a second because we dive into it a little bit later. But Napsmister is our first acronym that we're going to hit you with. And if you know anything about TRX, we love our, our, our acronyms, our acronyms. So really quickly, again, I'll hit it later and you'll see a slide that breaks it down, but it talks about the name of the exercise, the adjustment of the straps, the position in relation to the anchor point, the start, the mid and the return of the exercise. It took me about 10 years to get that spot on. So don't worry if you don't remember it today, that's the reason why we're taking notes and we're practicing to get better. Now, it's not just about what you can say, it's what you can do. We spent some time thinking about the programming. We spent some time talking about the exercises. After the exercises, we have to be able to explain how, how these folks need to do these exercises, but it's more important to be able to demonstrate. We as coaches have to, and let's say that again, we as coaches have to be able to demonstrate the movement standard. If we're in a group setting, it is our responsibility to be able to name and demonstrate the exercise so the class can not only hear what right looks like, but they can also see what right looks like. It's another thing that you wanna write down. Can they hear what right looks like so that they can see what right looks like and then translate later into what right feels like. Now that we've talked about programming, we've talked about exercise selection, then we've dove into naps mister or, or how to explain the exercises. Then we touched on movement standards. The last thing, not the last thing, the next thing we wanna talk about is understanding the common faults. This means I told them what to do. I showed them how to do it. Now can I spot the common faults? We as coaches have to be able to inspect our expectations, meaning we've gone through the reps and sets and the challenges. We've gone through these. We can do these with our eyes closed. We know where they're going to start to fatigue or where some of the common pitfalls might pop up that we have to be able to spot that before it happens. 
Now, as we're talking about that, looking for the common faults, we have to be able to coach them out of them. So we're gonna hit on two topics today. One is gonna be body checks. The other will be swing thoughts. Now they go hand in hand as coaches, but there are two specific types of cueing concepts that we, that we at TRX use that help make us better coaches. Modifications, another really important part of what we're doing as coaches. Not everyone was created equal when they walk into the class. Now, unless you're just jumping on a bike, you can change the intensity, right? But when we get on the TRX suspension trainer, what happens? There's lots of levels, there's lots of angles, there's lots of speeds, and there's lots of different bodies that are coming into our classes. So we wanna make sure that we're setting everyone up for success. Now that actually goes back to understanding the movement standards. That goes back to the NAPS mister. As we're explaining this, we're delivering the cues, we're delivering the body checks, and we're also delivering the modifications to make sure that everybody that shows up to our class will be successful. My favorite part is the coaching style. We're gonna to touch on three specific coaching styles and I'm sure that there's several more that you might think about later after we get through this, uh, after we get through this. But the three that we're gonna talk about are sensei, coach, and cheerleader. These three are great and I don't wanna give it away too much right now. So just don't worry about that. We'll dive into that a little bit later. And last but not least, and now quite honestly, what might seem and feel like the most important is the environment. And I'm gonna have a little aha moment for you when we really get to dive into the environment aspect of it. But really quickly, let's go through all of these one more time before we take a deep dive into each of these sections. Understanding the programming right? Who are we coaching to? What are the tools that we have? Where are we coaching? Things like that. What are the exercises that we're going to be doing based off the equipment that we have, based off the people that we're working with, based off the type of class that you're teaching? Is it HIT? Is it boot camp? Is it strength-based? Is it mobility? Is it stretching, right? Then we go into NAPS Mister, Movement Standards, more coaching, 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 coaching as we move up the ladder, right? A lot of it starts in the preparation, goes into the class and then finishes with some things that are quite honestly out of our control, right? So really quickly, I wanna give you an example or a programming illustration. So if I'm gonna sit down and program something, I want to think about where I'm teaching, who I'm teaching to, and what the goal of the class is. So what you'll see are four top, four key points that are going to be at the top of my programming uh, notebook, if you will. What's the focus? I'm going to make this hinge focus, meaning we're going to be doing some kettlebell swings, some slam balls. Now, I can't just do hinging for the whole 30, 40, 50 minute workout, right? 
So what's going to be my secondary option that I'm going to roll into or fold into this workout? Chances are I'll probably hit another lower body. So we've got lunges on here. Now, based off those two foundational movements, what type of workout do I want this to be? I'm going to make it high intensity, which means we're going to work for a short amount of time and have lots of rest on the end. Now, for some people, we can spend a whole, literally a whole session talking about what is high intensity? How does that apply? We at TRX, we want to focus on strong foundational movements, right? Done correctly. Now, if you do that correctly, the amount of time that your clients are taking to rest is what they need, not what not just what you want them to give. So we're not going to have anyone just sitting around with their hands on their hips, ho-humming around waiting for the next set. Because the quality that they're putting into this, this series is going to leave them surprised that, oh man, I didn't realize 40 seconds of rest could go by so fast. Think about that the next time you're programming. And we're going to make it interval-based. Intervals make it really easy to use a timer, to get everyone on the same page, to get everyone moving at the same time. Now here's an example of a workout. I'm really bummed because if we were all in the same room today, I'd get you all up, get you introduced to all the equipment that we have on site, and we would get after it. Instead, you get to take this workout home and give it a try with your by yourself, introduce it to some of your clients, but this is pretty much an eight station boot camp. And each station, we're going to be working for 45 seconds, resting for 15 seconds in between, and you're going to take 90 seconds to transition to the next station after you've completed four sets. I said a mouthful. 45 seconds of work, 15 seconds rest. The way this works is you have a partner A and you have a partner B, right? So one and two, that's A and B. Three and four, A and B. And you're just going back and forth between these. If you have any questions about this as you're going through this, please feel free to ping me because I'm more than happy to walk you through it. Now, there's a whole lot of stuff going into this. We've got conditioning rope. We've got atomic pikes. We've got kettlebell swings or deadlifts. There's resisted crawls. So you get you got some partner drills going on. There's rip training exercises, TRX lunges or burpees, depending on what your, what your flair is, what your flavor is. Uh, we've got slam balls and we have TRX inverted rows or low rows. You're working off a door, you can't do an inverted row. But if you can get that those straps over shore and move into that challenging position, that's what you're going to be getting after. This workout is great when you have a big group of people. Again, you can break this down any way you want. If you have two people, you can put them together, right? I'm going to give you one more option that you can do here. So say you only have two people, right? And let's look at the first line. 
So the first exercise is conditioning rope. I go, you go. Partner A can beat those battle ropes for 45 seconds while partner B is resting. The 15 second transition is now for partner B to come in while partner A is resting. That goes into the high intensity interval training. Because if you think about it now, you're working for 45 seconds, but you're actually getting a minute and 15 seconds to transition to the next exercise. So each partner, you choose partner A, partner B. I like to break my partners up by shoe size. Smaller shoe, you're Cinderella. Larger shoe, you're gonna be Bigfoot. Either way, this allows two things to happen. The partner that's not working, you get to rest, hands on your hips, hands on your head, whatever your flavor is. But you also get to be the cheerleader for your partner that's going to work. You're not allowed to just stand around and wait. You have to cheer your partner on to keep the intensity where it needs to be so that you can make sure they, everyone is doing the best they can. So again, when you break this down, partner A, you go first. Partner B, you're the cheerleader. So then the four sets within each station actually turns into each partner working two times. When you go to the stations where it's more unilateral, doing a TRX lunge or a TRX burpee, partner A starts with their left foot in the straps. Partner B goes on the left foot while partner A is resting. Second time through, partner B goes to their right leg, does the TRX burpees. So again, you'll only get one of each, but I guarantee you, you really only want to do two rounds of TRX burpees. Anything after that, I don't know if you'll have the energy or the strength or the desire to want to do anymore. So that was a mouthful. A lot of, again, we can spend the whole day talking about programming, exercise selection, but you do what you can to modify this for your clients so that it'll work for you. And again, I can't wait until we can be in the same room so that we can go through this workout together and really feel what a T-Rex bootcamp feels like in action. So now I wanna talk about that next level naps mister. We talk about the name of the exercise, the adjustment of the straps and the position in relationship to the anchor point. That's where your straps are hanging from. Those three keys right there, if you are a TRX coach are essential, essential. I know we've all been there. We've got that client that doesn't know their left from their right. And that's okay. They do know where their straps are hanging. And if we say stand facing the anchor point, they're going to turn their body and adjust themselves into the right position to be able to start the exercise. Now, if you've been teaching TRX for a while and you say, we're going to do a TRX low row, what's the first thing that you're going to hear those go-getters or the people that have been working with you for a while do? Fully shorten those straps, right? Stand facing the anchor point. That allows you to spend more time with the folks that need a little bit more assistance, right? 
if we stick to the same language, if we stick to the same system over time, our members that are coming back for our classes, those reps and sets are gonna to start to kick in. And I guarantee you, you'll even get some, some folks in class that wanna be your assistant coach and maybe help those folks adjust their straps or help their feet get into the foot cradle. But it's only gonna happen if we are consistent with our language through each and every workout. So for example, if we're gonna do a TRX chest press, Hey everyone, we're gonna do a TRX chest press. We're gonna stand facing, we're gonna adjust our straps to fully lengthen. We're gonna stand facing away from the anchor point. We're gonna hold our hands up like a mummy as we hold onto those handles. We're gonna walk our feet closer to the anchor point till we feel some tension. Now let's lower our chest down to our hands. Keep those, keep your chest nice and proud. Keep your shoulder blades away from your ears and press your body away from those hands. Easy peasy. Right now I've said that thousands of times and you think I'd have done a better job. I think the camera gave me a little, I got a little camera shy today, but when the mic's on and the music's blasting, it is second nature, but I'll tell you what wasn't second nature, learning how to get that order put in place. I can't tell you how many hours I spent in the TRX training center when no one was in there music blasting, program written on the wall, and literally just talking to myself. And the aha moment and the gratifying moment that I had was when I got to the point of teaching and I said, hey, we're gonna do a TRX low row and you start to hear the strap shorten up. Or we're gonna do a TRX chest press. You feel, you hear the straps, it's like a tent opening up. You know that sound, zip. Both hand, both cables coming down, both, not cables, <laughs> both straps coming down to fully lengthened. That sound is like music to a TRX instructor's ears. So again, it's not just for suspension training. Think about things like a kettlebell swing, or if you're even more advanced doing cleans and snatches, there's a lot of talking that goes into that. And the more specific we can be with our coaching, the more time we actually have for training. But if you spend a lot of time trying to explain and just beat the information into your client's head, they kind of stand here and when are we actually gonna train, right? And that's not the experience that we wanna create. We wanna create something that's fast paced if that's what we're looking for, systematic, not so much where it's robotic, but to the, the clients, don't realize how smooth and seamless the day is with our coaching. So something to think about. Work on your delivery and it'll all fall into place. Now this is probably my favorite section when I talk about movement standards. I'm not gonna lie, this whole thing is my favorite because again, like I said, over the last 10 years, I couldn't imagine 10 years ago from today that this is where I would be just talking about all of the steps that we take to bring the ultimate experience at the TRX Training Center. Movement standards. I like to think of myself as a demo diva. If you look at any of the videos that I do online, the last thing I wanna do is post something and someone's like, 
Ooh, that's not how that should look. Are you guilty of that? I hope not. Here's something to know. I call myself the TRX police, but I've never written one ticket. Not one. But I'll tell you what. Every person who's ever gone through any of our TRX education have somehow deemed themselves the deputies. And they are the first people to call out what right does not look like. So be careful as you post your stuff on social media. I'm not going to say anything, but I've got a lot of deputies who are keeping an eye out there to keep the integrity and the safety of our clients out there. Now, going back to being a demo diva, if I'm in class and I've got 20 people, 30 people, well, I used to. Today, now with the 10% restrictions on what we can and can't have in our studios, I still want to be able to make sure that as I deliver a great NAPS mister, I have to deliver the same thing when it comes to movement standards and quality, right? They're watching me. They have to see to the T what right looks like. Now, something to think about. You're home. You're on a camera. They're on, a, they're on their phone or a tablet or a computer. If they're trying to do an exercise while you're trying to do an exercise, do you think that's going to be up to par? You think they're going to be able to move with you as you move? So you want to make sure that you are having your clients watch you as they listen to hear you demonstrate the NAPS mister and see you demonstrate the movement standards. Now, it's really important that you give them several different options of viewing because what may seem like a good view, a good vantage point here, they might be missing some key factors, maybe from your lower body or from a direction that you might be facing. That's really important in what you're explaining to them when it comes to the movement standards. So in the virtual world, Make sure you have a good vantage point for how you're demonstrating and the types of exercises that you're doing with your clients. Now, something I want you to think about. In the beginning of the workout, everyone's feeling good. Nobody's tired yet. They haven't done anything heavy. This is an example of my good friend who was demonstrating a squat at the beginning of the day. And then we turned on the music and we got after it, and I kid you not, he's also given me the okay to use this image. This is him in the middle of a set. I cannot make this up. Do you think he wanted to do that? He's like, yes, I want to get those knees collapsed. I want to round my shoulders. I want to just lose all of my masses and spaces. I don't think so. I think he was just so caught up in the moment of whether it was a ball. I think it was a jump. So like getting down and jumping up and the way he was landing, that's how he landed. As our clients go through the workouts, it's really important that we're reminding them of those movement standards early on and throughout the day that it's never about how many you're doing and more so about the quality. So keep the goal, the goal. And our goal at TRX is maintain that standard no matter what conditions change. At TRX, standards remain the same. Conditions will always change. Now here, 
if we were in the same room, I'd have you all stand up. I'd have you find a partner and go through a little drill. So this is something that I want you to practice with your friends or your clients. Next time you have more than two people together. First, I want you to pair them up with each other and have them little staring contest. And I want them to do 20 seconds of high knees. Just have them evaluate each other, see who's doing a better job or not. Then I want you to stop and take a break and then we rock, paper, scissor, right? Partner A will be the winner. You get to hold your hands up. Partner B, you're gonna do high knees for the next 20 seconds, nothing more than 20 seconds. As we do these high knees, we want to see the standard, meaning those knees have to touch those hands every single rep. Now we can do that for 20 seconds, but the kicker is, is how much can partner B tell partner A about themselves? Who they are, where they're from, favorite activity, favorite exercise, you name it, whatever you want to do. You can have them name a recipe, tell a funny story, but they have to talk now and not just think about those high knees. Add that little flair or flavor into your next partner drill the next time we can get partners together. And I bet that's gonna change how they attack that next set. So that's something for you to take with you the next time you get your, your clients together in the same room. So we talked about common faults. This is where we inspect our expectations. Now, I really want you to take a look at this slide here because this has got some key elements on here that we talk about this in our group training course. We talk about this in our advanced group training course. And the points on here are, they're just, once you learn them, it's second nature. So for me, they're just friendly reminders. But at the end of the day, the first thing we always wanna make sure that we're setting and they're meeting are the movement standards. And then as we come around this, this circle, we move on to what should be mobile and what should be stable. And as instructors, we're explaining that as we go through the process. So reminding them, hey, if you're doing a chest, if we're doing a press, shoulder, shoulder girdles are moving, hips are mobile, right? These are locked in. We're just moving shoulders, elbows, that's doing all the big movement there, right? Same idea as we get into, uh, think of a squat, right? Hips, knees, ankles, mobile, torso, stable, right? Reminding them of that as we go through it. As they learn and understand what right should look like and what right should feel like, then we move in, or um, as we understand what should be mobile, what should be stable, we move into what right should look like and what right should feel like. Because here's why. We, have, we talked about having different types of clients that have different types of outcomes. You might have some injured athletes, you might have some really elite athletes. So understanding that not everyone's gonna look the same, but bring them back to what should be mobile and what should be stable and meeting them where they're at so that we can take them where they need to go. Now, they know what should be mobile and what should be stable. They know what right looks like and what right should feel like. Now we have to remind them of those common faults because once we start to add volume, once we start to add speed, 
that's where stuff starts to break down a little bit. So understanding what those common faults are. And then now that we know what those common faults are, or we're inspecting our expectations, we're using swing thoughts and body checks to fix and facilitate to make sure that they're moving along safely and effectively through the, through the process. So when we talk about that, does this have to go in the same circle around and around and around? No. We can zigzag from top to bottom, movement standards, using swing thoughts to dial in the movement standards, back to movement standards, and then inspecting our expectations by looking for common faults or reminding them what those common faults are. Again, just this little interplay of common faults and swing thoughts and movement standards are what are essential for you to be a successful coach to your clients. Now, when we talk about body checks, body checks are specific, right? We're talking about specific. This is where you can be as really dialed in using as much anatomy as you want or keeping it as simple as, hey, put your shoulder blades in your back pockets, right? But we want to talk about a specific part of their body during the movement. Now, if I'm doing a press, what's, some of the, what's a common fault that tends to happen, right? Shoulders come up to their ears. Or if I'm doing a row, same thing. Or if I'm doing a squat, we go back to my friend in the picture, those knees are collapsing. So I can say something like try to open up those hips or push your knees away. I'd use some other types of body checks. But thinking about how we can talk about specific parts of the body and what they need to adjust to get them out of that spot. Now here's the tough part. We're so used to being able to put our hands and make those quick little, hey, tap them here, tap them there to get them into the right alignment or whatever they need to be successful. But those days are not available to us right now. And we have to do a better job of seeing them in action so that we can do a better job of coaching them out of that error. So body checks are one thing that I want you to practice. So really quickly, I want you to take some notes and think about like three body checks that you might stick to use with your clients. So as you think about that, we're going to jump into the next section because body checks and swing thoughts go hand in hand. So body checks and swing thoughts based off our common faults both work together. So as I mentioned, the body check is something that's specific to the body. Shoulders in your ears, knees, keep them away from collapsing, hips level, things like that. When we talk about swing thoughts, and if you take our TRX functional training course, you're going to leave there with quite a few swing thoughts. But a swing thought is a coaching cue or a text message. What's something quick? and relatable that I can say to the person or the class that's gonna give them an aha moment into, I gotta fix this. So we talked about shoulders in your back pockets, right? What if I said, hey, shoulders are ear poison? And I'm like, oh, that doesn't, I don't want, I don't want that. Or my favorite, this is, 
This is my absolute favorite. And I guarantee you that five of you, five of you are going to be like, oh my God, this is the best thing ever. Really technical term. Take your finger here. Tap your booty. Does it feel like apples or applesauce? Now, if you were to go down onto the ground and go back to that plank, really tough plank, everything's engaged. And then you ask your clients, hey, do those glutes feel like apples or applesauce? What do you think they're going to do? Tighten them right up. Or if you're doing a plank or a chest press and we want them to chase the plank, another swing thought. What if we said, hey, your body should be like a surfboard or head to heel, strong as steel. I got a million of these. <laughs> but these are the things that you're already using in your common coaching. And I'll tell you one thing that works, but it's really tough to nail down is being too specific. When you start to talk about muscles that you've learned in anatomy or on several of those pages in your NASM book, your clients are going to look at you and say, I don't know where that insertion is, right? I don't know what muscle you're talking about. If we keep it broad enough for them to have these aha moments like, oh, my booty should be squeezing it tight, that'll work. So think about the difference between body checks and, and swing thoughts. They go hand in hand. Some are fun, some are direct. So some of you don't want to be fun and be more direct, keep it more on the body check side. But again, make sure you have your fair share of both because some may not always work. Another thing to think about, and this is really important. As coaches, we want to, we want to have a positive environment, correct? It's our goal to make sure we're telling them how they can improve. That is not by telling them what they're doing wrong. Don't be that coach that's, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. When you're giving out swing thoughts and body checks, ask them as a question. Are you chasing your plank? Are your shoulder blades out of your ears? Good job keeping your body like a surfboard. A lot of the times, the more you can, you can congratulate, the more, their ear, the more the ears will, will perk up in that class as opposed to, God, am I ever going to do anything right for this coach? So that's something to consider as you're going through your classes and you're, you're queuing them up for success. Now, I'm sure I'm starting to turn into that person who's like, this is my favorite exercise. In fact, I was just taking a class and I'm pretty sure the instructor set this for every single song. This is my favorite song. No, this is my favorite song. I'm not kidding. All of these are my favorite sections because there's been so much time and effort that we put into these that this is fun for me. Now, when we talk about the different coaching styles, there's three types, three, three, we added a fourth one in here, but there's three major ones that we want to touch on briefly. If you take any of our education or specifically our group training course, we dive into these a lot more where we ask you how to figure out which one you spend, you tend to be a little bit more of. The first one is a sensei. Now I've never taken any martial arts, but the analogy that I always like to give is Karate Kid. Daniel's son had to paint the fence. He had to wash the car. 
And before you know it, he gets out there. He's painting the fence. He's washing the car, and he's defending himself, right? The sensei wants you to learn the standard, learn the standard, do it correctly. He's not exciting. His goal is not to be exciting, her, he or her, he or she. Their goal is to get you to know what right looks like and what right feels like. You trust them. You want to achieve, your clients want to achieve that level of sensei for them. That's why they come back to you. They come to you for that specific type of coaching. Are you a sensei? Do you have to have the standard every single time? If so, awesome. But that's not the only coach that we need you to be when it comes to a group exercise class. The second coach is a coach. Now, I don't know about you, but I was a swimmer. And when you're a swimmer in high school and college, your only friend really is that black line up and down. Yards and yards and yards later, you it's just tens of thousands of yards over the years. I can't tell you how exciting it got on those tough days where the coach rips off his shirt. It's male coach, by the way. Rips off his shirt, hops in the water, and shows us how it's done. A coach will always lead from the front. How many times have you been teaching a class and you just see the energy's not quite where it needs to be? So you jump in the front of the room, you grab those weights, you grab those straps, and you start hammering out those sets. You give a quick look behind and everybody is charging forward. That is the type of coaching style that we describe when we're talking about coaches. Probably one of my favorite ones. Now, the last one is cheerleader. Now, 10 years ago, my idea of group exercise was Richard Simmons. Jumping around or Jane Fonda. Jumping around, kicking. Everyone's on the same page. They're jumping over steps. And, and I thought, there's no way I could do that. I don't want to do that. That's not, that's not who I am. Fast forward 10 years later, I'm the guy with the microphone running around. Come on, ladies, you can do this. Why? Because it's necessary. I'm not just a cheerleader as a coach, but it's the point in the workout where people just need to be inspired. And it's not just by leading from the front, doing the burpees with them. Sometimes it's just those words of, of encouragement that get people to go past that comfort zone, to go past that point of, I didn't know I had it in me. My favorite line as a cheerleader slash coach is that if it doesn't challenge you, it won't change you. And it's our job to make sure that we're, not every day is gonna be our best day. Really important. You can't squeeze water out of a rock. And a lot of, a lot of the times when we're in these classes, not everyone's gonna have a PR. But it's our job as coaches, any type of coach, to make sure that we see what who's showing up to our class on that day and what type of coach we need to be for them on that specific moment. So something to think about. The fourth one that you see in the bottom right corner, that's the dance party. 
that's the celebration at the end where you just crank up the music and we're like, we did it, we did it. Go back to the last time you did the toughest eight-minute AMRAP. I can give you several different exercises to put into it, but at the end of an eight-minute AMRAP, all you want to do is just celebrate because it's over and you don't have to do it anymore. And that's where the dance party comes in. Now, if you're too embarrassed about having a dance party, that's okay. It's not for everyone. But I bet you'll wow a couple people. Now, something I want you to think about, there's a reason we talk about these four different personas in a group exercise setting. You might notice that some people just aren't coming to your classes or aren't coming back to your classes. Are you too much of one and not enough of the other? So I want you to think about the next time you teach a class. Now, chances are you're probably doing this on Zoom. Watch yourself and listen to your coaching. Are you spending too much time being a sensei, telling them what they're doing wrong, telling them to do it better? Or are you spending too much time working out with them and not coaching? Or are you not even demonstrating the exercises and just telling them how great of a job they're doing? Spending too much time with the dance party in the background. All of those are great, but we gotta make sure we have enough of each to round out the ultimate coaching experience for our, our clients. Now the environment. Go back to March of 2020. You get to walk into your studio, the stage is set. Are you gonna sweep the floor? Are you gonna make sure all the stuff is out of the way? Or are you expecting someone else to do that? I never expect anything from anyone. When I walk into a studio and I know I'm gonna teach, it is now my studio and I have to do everything in my power to make sure that the stage is set. No junk on the ground, towels are in the basket and folded the way they need to be. Because when they come in, the room is an extension of who I am as a coach. So it's really important to remember that. Now, another thing that we have been fortunate enough to have are cool lights, really cool sound systems, all of these other bells and whistles that you may have had in your studio. Fast forward to today where some of us are fortunate enough to go back into our studios and some of us are teaching from home. Some of us are teaching from a garage, a park. We have to be mindful of our environment. Can they hear me okay? Can they see me okay? Is my internet connection okay? A lot of things that we didn't have to think about. So it's really important to take the time showing up 15 minutes early, welcoming people, you know, whether it's virtual or in the studio, um, getting to know people's injuries, lifestyles, things like that. So getting to know our clients, because when you go back to that second slide, what was one of the important things that they were looking for? Community. I know something that's really important on my personal workouts is being able to interact with the group on the Zoom call before and circling up at the end to talk about how brutal it was. Because again, that little bit of conversation is doing so much for our clients, more so than we know. 
So being able to set that environment, are you using music? Are they using music? Is it a, is it a distraction or is it really adding value? What are the things that are in our control and out of our control that we have to be mindful of as we go through this session so that we can make sure, again, we're delivering the best TRX experience we can. Now I'm gonna spend a little bit of time talking about some of the team tactics that we can use in our classes whether it's virtual or back in person, that will help create a little bit more of that camaraderie, that team challenge. And so the first thing I want to do is talk about, sorry. <laughs> the first thing I want to do is talk about a mirror drill. This is pretty fun. Have you ever had to go back to our high knee scenario? First, we pair them off and they're doing their exercises together. What about if you're teaching on a Zoom call and everyone's in gallery, and everyone can see what's going on, now pick someone, especially if everyone knows everyone in the group. Say they're doing a chest press, say they're doing a ball slam, say they're doing whatever the exercise is. Everyone's gotta keep up with Jane who's in class. Jane, I want you to count out the reps, right? Making sure it's you're not the only one that's talking for the whole 50 minutes, all right? Also making sure that you give Jane a heads up and say, hey, better bring your A game today because I'm going to call on you. And if Jane's like, please don't call on me, find somebody else who's willing to, to deal with it. The next thing I want to do is talk about end zones. These are really important because as coaches, it allows you to set the tempo for what they're doing. So an end zone could be everybody hold the bottom of a squat. Let's all make sure that we're on the same page. Everybody hold the bottom of a chest press. Everybody hold the overhead position on a thruster, on a dumbbell or kettlebell overhead press. See what right looks like. See what that full extension looks like in the arm. But getting them to understand what right looks like at that end zone position. Because I'll tell you what, if I had everyone raise their arms over their head right now, 90% of us look like this, right? My hands are above my head, right? But if I say, reach for the sky, that's going to change because now I've given you an end zone. Reach for the ceiling and let me see what that looks like. So it allows you to emphasize the position, control the tempo, and create some synchronicity synchronicity big word doesn't just roll off the tongue <laughs> now the next thing i want to talk about is slow motion in a virtual setting i'm not going to lie it can be a little challenging because depending on computer speeds and who can hear you at one point in the set but i'll tell you what when we move into the class settings using a mirror using slow motion Oh, those are two of my favorite to be able to control the class. Nobody loves to do slow motion TRX crossing balance lunges. But when you break them down, it's a game changer. This is especially important 
for my folks that know and are very talented at teaching to the beat. If you find that eight count down, up, whoo, my buns are burning. Just think about it. Just thinking about it. Now it's okay. If you're one of those instructors that can't find the beat, you can use your own slow motion drills. You can use a mirror drill. You can incorporate your partners into this, whatever is necessary for you to be able to get everyone to move on the same page. It's totally fine. Internal focus. This is when you are asking your clients to have that conversation with themselves to dig deep. This is that if it doesn't challenge you, it doesn't change you moment. And so we want to bring awareness to posture, the body part, the specific muscle. Can you feel your triceps at the end of that plank? Can you feel those abs firing as you squeeze and brace for that plank? Can you feel those glutes as you explode out of that squat? Think about those all of the work that those muscles are doing to, to bring you to that level of success. So thinking about internal focus, that as coaches, we get to tie in those body checks. We get to tie in those swing thoughts and really bringing it all together. Sound off. I got to give my friend Alexis Craig credit for this. And you can Google her, Alexis Craig Fit. She's, she's been a TRX instructor for just as long as I have, if not more. She's one of the founding instructors at the TRX Training Center in San Francisco. And if you ever have to do burpees in class with her, she breaks it down. We love burpees. And if you don't say yay, you do burpees until everybody says yay. So we love burpees, yay! And she will have you do burpees until everyone in the class says that. So whatever the exercise is, find what your sound off is. You can also use sound off for counting. You can pick a person in one of your squares on the Zoom call. You can pick one of your, your go-to clients in class and have them call out what, um, have them call out what number you're on, what set you're on, just to keep you honest. Because there's a lot of moving pieces that come into our classes and we want to make sure that we are, they're pretty much keeping us honest. And so I've, I got to move a little bit quicker because we're burning some daylight. And so a couple other drills that we can do when you get into something like an AMRAP is have a tag team where I'm going to do five reps. And then when I'm done with my five reps, you do five reps. And we go back and forth until we've done a certain amount of rounds or we've hit a certain amount of time in the set. This is a great opportunity for you to program intensity with specific rest. So it takes some time as a programmer to know how much time it actually takes to perform and how much time the client actually needs. So you can't just put two exercises together and hope for the best as far as rest goes. Take your time, give it a shot yourself and see what your recovery wants and needs are, and then put your client's needs on top of that. Whew. My favorite, 
we call this the plus one. Factor in the, the partner drill. I go, you go. I do one push-up. You do one push-up. I do two push-ups. You do two push-ups. Three, three, four, four, five, five. We hold the plank the whole time. Unless you can't hold the plank the whole time. That one, whew. You can do push-ups. You can do ball slams. You can do burpees. You can do box jumps. You name it, you got it. Team time trial is another one of those where you put two teams against each other. Who's going to go faster on this one? You guys have X amount of time to get this one done before that one. The winner of the set, there you go. Sorry, now I'm rushing through these. But I do want to, I want to leave it here. We're going to go, we went, we talked about all the different things that came into what the ultimate TRX experience was and is and should be. We talked about programming. Your clients don't care about the programming, but nobody leaves to talk about how well you paired those supersets together, those antagonists paired supersets or your PHA and things like that. They're only going to talk about a few important things. Did I have a good time with my friends? Did I sweat? Did I breathe heavy? Did I feel successful? They're not, it's your job to take all the other things that we talked about today and several more to be able to put those things together so that you can deliver that ultimate TRX experience. Again, it's reps and sets on your end for successful reps and sets on their end. And at the end of the day, when you ask them, how did it go? If all you get from them was, it was good, I got a good sweat, that kicked my butt, that's all you need. But just know, you don't have to tell them all the hard work that you put, in on you put into it on your end. Because at the end of the day, it's our job to put in that practice. Programming becomes easier. Naps mister becomes easier. Movement standards become easier depending on the exercises that we're using. So keep it simple. If you know the, the movement standards, you know the common faults. If you know the common faults, you know how to correct those common faults with body checks and swing thoughts. Think about that. After that, you get to figure out which coach you want to be as you deliver those different movement standards, common faults and swing thoughts, body checks. And then after you spend all of that time practicing all of that other stuff, you really focus in on environment. Too many coaches spend way too much time thinking about the right light, the right camera, the right playlist, and they don't focus in on the programming. They don't focus in on what right looks like and what right sh should feel like. They don't know how to help their clients if they're struggling. They don't know how to make the exercise a little bit easier so that they can be more successful. I challenge you to not be one of the, those coaches. That's not the type of coaches that we have at the TRX Training Center. We want everyone to get better. We want everyone to have fun. I want to thank you so much for allowing me to be here with you all today for an hour. I can't believe it's already over. Uh, I'm getting yelled at from the side that I got to wrap this up. 
So if you have any questions for me, you can always email me, mvargas at trxtraining.com. And you can always find me on social media, at MiguelTRXSF. I want to thank you so much for your time and your patience and your fun. I look forward to seeing you hopefully live at next year's 2021 Optima Conference. But until then, I want you all to stay fit.